0: Seven zero
1: two. The Naked Scientist. Time for the Naked Scientist. Dr. Chris Smith is with us. Audible one 702 in the WhatsApp line zero seven two seven zero two one seven zero two. We take all of your science related questions. Dr. Chris Smith. Happy Monday. How are you doing? Happy Monday.
2: I'm good. How are you?
1: Well, you was your jaw on the floor with all the things
2: that are happening there in the UK. Oh, I, to be honest. <laughs> I was talking to someone the other day because I'm I'm a classic kind of news hound. I love news, yeah. love journalism, and I would drive into work in the morning, my ear glued to the sort of rolling news stations and so on. And I've become really allergic and averse to doing that. And. It's a really? sort of relentless barrage of bad news, it's kind of disharmony and it, and it starts your day off in the wrong way and if you try and watch news in the evening it kind of makes you sleep badly. So there's a, a, quite a few of us now. I think people also in the BBC have, have said to me they've become the same, some of them. Lifelong news journalists who are saying they've become allergic to their own subjects because there's so much bad stuff going on. And mm. I, I kind of seek out programmes like the one we're making, hopefully, which gives you a little bit of an <laughs> oasis in the middle of all that, where you're reminded yes. what the good things are and and about the purity of sort of science and the way the universe works. And it's just a bit of an escape, isn't it? So uh, hopefully everyone finds this programme as much of an escape as I do.
1: I hope so too. So let's jump into the first question. Andrea asks on the WhatsApp line, Is it true that alcohol burns off during cooking? I would even further then ask, doctor, how can you tell that the alcohol has burnt off, especially if you're going to be serving um, food to those that don't drink alcohol?
2: Hello, Andrea. The answer is yes, it does. The boiling point of alcohol is well below the boiling point of water. So if you're cooking food thoroughly, and even if it's not below the boiling point of water, it's still enough energy in the food for the time you're cooking it for to drive the alcohol Out of the food. So people have done studies on this and a tiny fraction of what you put in is going to remain at the end of a good cooking process. It's there really for the other constituents of the alcoholic beverage. It's not the alcohol that's making the food taste the way it does. It's chiefly what you put in that's with the alcohol in in that bottle of wine or whatever to make um, some kind of risotto or something. The exception to that is if you don't cook the food. So if you have a Christmas cake, for example, and you do what some people do, which is they have a little hole in the icing and periodically in the weeks leading up to Christmas, they slowly dose their cake with more and more booze. It does stay boozy because the alcohol is trapped inside the cake. It steeps the fruit and the material inside the cake under the icing, doesn't evaporate, and so you do end up with a boozy cake, which, as some people have found out to their cost, can be enough to put you over the limit sometimes if you eat enough of it. But if you cook stuff because you're pushing the temperature up, you will drive off the alcohol and therefore the risk to your health if you can't drink or don't want to drink is is minimal, but you will still get the flavour impact.
1: I've got you completely there. All right. Here's an interesting one from Tusi Mutsopi from Phosphorus, who says, um, apologies for the long question. I would like to ask the naked scientist a question relating to consciousness. During the apartheid era uh, years, some um, guerrillas were hanged for their military operations after being arrested, tortured, convicted and sentenced to hang at the gallows. There would be a time when they are given an option to renounce or show remorse in exchange for an alternative punishment, but they would choose to face the gallows, which is a conscious decision, I believe. Can the doctor explain scientifically what informs a conscious decision?
2: Well, I read a new story. Interesting last... one. Yeah, I mm. read a new story last week of a gentleman who died in prison because he'd been convicted of a particularly heinous crime but the evidence was shaky and he was offered parole after a number of years and refused to take it and said no I am innocent and if I take this parole I have to accept that I did this I have to admit to it and then I have to live with that consequence I didn't do it I'm innocent and Mm. I'm not admitting to something that I didn't do so a person's conscience does have a really profound impact on and a bearing on the way they think and the way that they behave. And some people, people of certain religious persuasions, over over many many years, we're familiar with the ideas of being a martyr. And people will die for what they believe in, and they're not prepared to change their mind because they say, "I made my mind up, and I'm a person of principles. So I'm going to stick to what I decided in my mind was right." And that is how it goes. Most people. given a choice between life and death, would choose the option that will enable them to stay alive. Most people do because they value their life more than their reputation, but others not so. And it really shows that everyone's an individual, doesn't it?
1: And I mean, it just is getting me to think that some people um, might, the, 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 the alternative of living a lie might be a worse punishment than going the route of going into the gallows.
2: Correct. And you've got to live with yourself, but you've also got to live with other people's perceptions of you. And that person I mentioned who elected to die in prison, I mean, they didn't elect to die, they elected to stay in prison, hoping, I suppose, that Mm. one day they would be found innocent, but they never got the chance. They found Mm. that to be less unpalatable than the fact that they would come out of prison and then feel that people felt less of them or felt that they were in some way a deceitful liar because they had stayed all those of years in prison saying they hadn't done it and then they said, Okay, I did do it then. Either way you're a bit of a fraud because you've said something just to get the outcome you want, which to their mind mm. didn't square the circle. Seven oh two
1: The Naked Scientist. Hi David, how are you? I'm the
2: new
0: to and the listeners. Um I just have a quick one for a Doctor um the there, a bit of a gene that controls old age. For example, when you reach a certain age, the, the gene that instructs yourself not to, to regenerate anymore, so it's so, sort of old age. Um, with the advancement in genetic ed- editing with the CRISPR and, and, and the likes, have not they, you know, come up with a way, you know, to, to stop that process or maybe to to stop that being from acting on the cells, to stop you know, generating an error you know, to allow people to live to live whichever however long that they want. And um, the, the last one is, I mean, for ourselves if you listen to us. For example, when you feel negative or you tell yourself negative stuff, you know, do they literally listen to that and do they act accordingly, For example, if you're negative. You know, you start getting sick and you start feeling badly. Is there a communication mechanism of some sort between our
2: thoughts and what our thoughts do?
1: Thank I'll you so much. Thank you so much, David. So, Dr. Christmas, I'm not sure if you're able to hear that clearly.
2: I got all of that. Yeah, thanks very much, David. Perfect. It's a question about the, the issue of ageing. And to be perfectly honest, we don't know why we age We do know what the product of ageing is, which is deterioration in our tissues. We get wrinklier on the outside and we get wrinklier on the inside. Our tissues stop working as well as they did when we were young. We get the build-up of materials that shouldn't be there, like you block up your blood vessels, you get a a loss of the elastic tissue in your skin, and uh, you also get damage accruing in your DNA. So your genes stop working as well as they should. And one of the critical things that happens when you lose the ability of DNA to work properly is that you're also losing the ability of DNA to repair itself. And if DNA can't repair itself properly, then more damage accrues and it becomes a positive feedback loop, a vicious cycle. So DNA doesn't repair itself as well, so therefore it gets more damage. And because it's got more damage, it gets more damage in the other bits of the repair mechanism, which means it repairs even less well and you then deteriorate the quality of your genetic material. And that's why you get cancer so there is a whole raft of reasons why we age we think that part and parcel of this is that we also accumulate in our tissues cells that have gone past their cell by date they're called senescent cells and rather than just kill themselves and disappear these cells accumulate and they build up in tissues and they don't just switch off they actively secrete factors into the environment which make other cells behave less well so one argument is that one way to reduce ageing is to get rid of all these senescent cells because they'll take with them their cargo of dodgy DNA and the way they're poisoning the well for everyone who's not senescent in the environment. And there are ways of doing that and it does seem to have something of a rejuvenating effect in some organs. We are also homing in on ways to identify damage to DNA and fix some of it, but when it's on the scale of a whole body, That is a tall order. So at the moment, it is very early days, how we reverse ageing. But certainly we can slow it down, and we can slow it down by what we've evolved to do best, which is eat well and get enough sleep and don't put poisons into your body by smoking. Smoking is the worst thing you can do for your body. Drinking excessively also is not good. So if you reduce those insults on your body, maintain a healthy diet, maintain activity. And the other point that David made is having a healthy outlook on life. We also know that people who are happy and people who are social live longer than people who are depressed, anxious or lonely. And all these things, these mood changes, have an impact on your physiology. They depress your immune system, they increase your blood pressure and they therefore change your disease risk. So trying to reduce all of the bad things and increase the good things does appear to translate into better ageing and therefore increase your health span, the time on earth you have when you are healthy, relative to the time that you're not healthy. Whether or not we're going to be making people not age and live longer in the future, and whether we'd even want to, is a different question.
1: And then the second question, of course, that he was asking about is, um, Can is there scientific proof that speaking negativity can have like a physical effect on the cells in your body and you deteriorating and speak versus speaking positively.
2: Yes, and when I mention that people who are lonely or depressed tend to have a higher burden of ill health, they have a higher blood pressure and they have a different disease risk profile. The way you feel does have a very profound impact on your resilience and your likelihood of of succumbing to various diseases. We know, for example, if you take someone who's stressed or you take someone who's depressed and you give them a flu vaccine, they will make a much lower rate of antibodies and they will have a lower level of antibody in their bloodstream in the aftermath than someone who is happy and who is not depressed.
1: Thank you so much for that question. Let's go to, is it Lonnie or Loni from Northcliffe?
0: Correct. Thanks for taking the call. Yeah. Um, doctor, the, the characteristic or tray of curiosity is um, displayed in many different species of animal, human beings, etc. Would that be a special marker on the DNA? And if it is, would, it, would that mark be the same on all DNA?
2: Yeah, I get what you're asking, which is, is there a gene for curiosity? And the answer is, regrettably not. We don't know how behaviours are written into our genetic code. Let's take an example. There are birds that know how to build nests. There are sparrow weavers, for example, that will build nests, preferentially on one side of a tree and not the other. Now, is that because it's written into their DNA to build a brain in such a way that that brain has connections that know, in inverted commas, how to make those nests and how to make them in that environment, or does the DNA make the brain so that it's very receptive to watching what other animals of the same species do and copy them? We don't know. So the link between individual genes and individual behaviours is much more complicated than an individual gene. And it's whole constellations or groups of genes that all work together to give us our characteristics, our nature, behaviour, different personality traits and so on as humans. And the same is also true for animals in the same way that you can breed animals that tend to have a particular behaviour trait. There are some dogs we know are prone to be more violent than dogs which are bred to be more passive and calm and good company. So there have to be genes which are involved in that because they're patterning the way that the brain works and they're inherited and therefore it has to be a genetic thing but which ones it is and how they achieve those behavioral outcomes we don't know. Therefore what genes make an individual curious we don't know but the product of those genes is a brain that's structured the way it is and that brain that's structured the way it is has circuits that make an animal novelty seeking including humans we're always seeking out novelty why because novelty is where rewards are including the rewards of feeling good and feeling that you've you've got enough to eat and enough to drink and the way you find food and potential resources you seek out novelty.
1: Thank you so much uh, for that question, uh, Lonnie. Let's go to Roger in Midrand. Hi, Roger.
0: Hi. I just want to ask the doctor a question.
1: Uh, <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to laugh because everybody loves asking Dr. Chris Smith this question. Go ahead.
0: Okay. Uh, do you believe in the existence of God? And if if yes, tell me why.
2: Hmm. Um, I, I don't believe in God because I'm not a religious person, but I don't believe that science is in any way incompatible with religion because the two things are completely different. And if you think about it, well, the Bible story is all about creation. Genesis, the Bible begins with God making the world. So if you said, well, is there a scientific corollary for a moment of creation? Well, yes, there is. There's the Big Bang 13.8 billion years ago. So you could argue that that was the moment of creation when the universe got created do i believe that if there was a god that that things would be different no i don't because if you've got to have systems that work in a certain way and if you were god then you would have an earth that would work with the way that it has with the relationship and principles of biology and so on that we we do see you wouldn't have bizarre interventions that suddenly made things happen that didn't fit some kind of logical framework or biological framework like evolution so i think Nothing we've seen scientifically rules out the existence of God, but that doesn't mean that you teach religion in a science lesson and it doesn't mean that you disparage people who happen to have religious beliefs for scientific reasons, unless they say things that are completely at odds with what the science is saying. So people who say the Earth is 6,000 years old... That's completely misguided. The earth is much older than that. The earth is is about 4,500 million years old, much older than that. So there are some things where you shouldn't try to use religion to have a scientific opinion and you shouldn't try and use science to disabuse people of their religious convictions. And the two are not necessarily bad bedfellows. There are no, There's nothing in science that says you can't have a religion and you can't have a god. We just haven't found that god yet, but equally... God should not be influencing our science lessons science is based on empirical fact and on hypotheses that we do experiments to test
1: Dr. Chrismut this is why I absolutely love your work because wow that's all I can say about you wow wow wow
0: Mit Asana erhalten Sie Einblicke in sämtliche Arbeitsvorgänge Sie können Projekte teamübergreifend überwachen und alles von der Priorität über den Status bis hin zum Fortschritt auf einen Blick nachverfolgen. So können Sie und Ihr Team intelligente Entscheidungen schneller treffen. Jetzt kostenlos unter asana.com testen. A-S-A-N-A.com.